Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Hacks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 64, News of the World, from 2020. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and this is a brand new intro. So we're in the new phase, the new era of Hanks for the Memories. We have completed our initial run, and now this podcast is on hiatus until a new movie comes out, which it just did. Howdy, y'all. We got Western Hanks. Yeah, I guess there was a little Woody influence there for the intro. But yeah, where did this movie come from? I was pretty surprised to hear that it existed not but like two months ago. So Western Hanks, I'm all aboard. I did not look up a ton of trivia. I would assume this was meant for theaters because it is Tom Hanks, of course. That's Paul Greengrass, of course, big name. But there was nothing in the trivia on IMDb, at least, about, oh, this was meant to be X, and then it came out as Y. But it is currently a premium video on demand, a $20 rental, uh, just about anywhere you rent movies if you want to watch this. But Mike, if people are not sure whether they want to watch this or not, please hit them with a quick summary of what news of the world is all about. Absolutely. All right, so it is 1870 post-Civil War, and Tom Hanks is Captain, I should say, he is ex-Southern Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, and he Mm -hmm. basically travels around the South from town to town telling the news. Like, he reports the news of the day from, you know, everywhere from local Texas all the way to, you know, Europe and all across the world. He travels with his newspapers, he charges a dime, and he sort of holds court at the end of the day wherever he is. People come all over and listen to him. I thought that was a pretty cool concept. I'd have watched a movie just about that. Uh, But while he's on the road, he comes across a feral child, a girl that it turns out has been living with the Native Americans for six years. She had recently been discovered, but her convoy was sort of bushwhacked. The driver was hanged, and she was sort of left on her own. Hanks comes across her, and it is sort of his duty, as it were, to return her to her only living kin. The official that whose job it is is sort of out of town on the reservation taking care of business. So Hanks sort of takes it upon himself to return the child to her rightful home. They set out on the road for quite a long journey. They come across uh, a gang of thieves who want to steal the girl from Hanks. He has to defend her from. They mosey through a very dark, hellish town that has taken the law into its own hands, uh, where Hanks sparks a micro-revolution of some kind, just by reading the news, and uh, eventually ends up returning the girl to her only living family, which is this very rural German farming community that looks like it, you know, only has kids to put to work. Uh, So... He leaves him with them, but we find out that the wife he's been talking about the whole movie has passed away from cholera when he was at war, so he sort of has nothing to go back to. And uh, in a twist, I didn't expect them to go for. I thought that they would end on much of a downer note, but he goes back for the child, ends up taking care of her, bringing her town to town, and together they recite the news. They become the, the new duo that goes around charging a dime, telling stories, and kind of living happily ever after together. Yeah, it's kind of a surprise happy ending, you're right, where Paul Greengrass wrote about how a lot of his movies recently have had kind of downer endings, and I think he wanted to mix it up a little bit, but, you know, we get back, you know, he has this farewell, this emotional farewell to his wife, his dead wife, and then he comes back and the girl's tied up outside, and you're like, I don't know what to think about this, and then, you know, they hug and they go off. It's like, oh, okay, good, happy ending. I didn't think she was going to die or get killed. Like, it wasn't like The Road, right, which we did for Charlize for Watch of Throne, where you're like, the entire movie, you're like, okay, adult child, one of them's going to die. Like, I didn't get that sense here. Like, I got the sense that she was going to make it to the end. He might die at some point, maybe, but, like, I never feared for her safety. And then to see her get a happy ending in the end, 
cool, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I just thought it was atypical for something where this was going. Like, it just felt more grounded to the point where it would go with a more um, sort of downer ending. And, like, that'd be fine. That's sort of part of the style. That's even, you know, there's sort of shades of true grit with that, where that ending isn't isn't very uplifting. You know, she, she sort of loses an arm. But, yeah, like, I, I liked, I think the movie earned it, and I think it was a nice turn. Yeah, it's definitely sort of atypical to when I think of Paul Greengrass. Now, they've worked together before, Captain Phillips. He's always a captain for Paul Greengrass. That is what happens. <laughs> and we get a very different War Hanks, sort of. We get, you know, a Confederate Hanks. At one point, this character was a Confederate captain. But, I you know, like, when I think of Paul Greengrass, I mostly think of, like, the Jason Bourne stuff and this and that, and he's, like, a very grounded action thing doesn't go for like the emotional twist that often i mean obviously the end of captain phillips i've not seen his entire filmography but yeah i thought the movie earned it so here's my big takeaway with this movie and i don't want to sound like a broken record back to the main podcast but like i feel this is another movie that yes it's good hanks is good in it i don't have much to say i know that you've been waiting for western cage for literally for years (laughs) and we finally get here some western hanks i think this is his first western probably but like i don't have a ton to say about this movie which i understand as a podcast listener that's not necessarily the thing that you want to hear but i just think like it's good like we know that hanks is good and i feel like this was my big takeaway from Hanks of the Memories, it's like, yeah, we knew he was good. And I appreciate things about this, and I don't think this is a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination, but like, I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I hear you. I, I know where you're coming from, definitely. I think, like, this isn't above average in any sort of spectacular way, but maybe I was just sort of craving a new Western, and to see Hanks in a Western finally, I was like, man, he fits perfectly like he should have been doing these with Clint Eastwood for a decade or something, playing all types of, you know, people in the West from school teacher to scoundrel. Like, I want to see that going on. I got really caught up, like, in that sort of moment of it, the idea that we are seeing Hanks in the West, in the Old West, doing his thing, and I really like that whole sort of idea of the newsman like you know he's television yeah right like they all gather round to watch the hanks and i thought that was a really interesting thing i don't know how they could have gone further with that they sort of read as much news as you really kind of want to hear like you know i don't want i don't want this just to be him reading the newspaper for two hours you got to throw an adventure in there somehow but i thought it was kind of clever the little sequences that they go through to remind you that he's kind of a badass like he gets into a gunfight he protects the girl they travel like he does that whole kind of rooster cogburn thing where he like carries her across the plains like with no horse and everything so i thought it was fun from the standpoint of a western fan to see a lot of this being played out yeah and like i like westerns i know that you like westerns more than me i was kind of hoping i think for a little bit more of the journalism because you know i'm a big journalism movie fan journalism fan in general and this is like i kind of got not direct flashbacks to the post but just like oh yeah hanks loves journalism i agree with you that i don't want to see hanks read the news for two hours because it isn't really news as much as kind of theatrics right like you said he is tv and that's a good way to describe it like he's just the entertainment you pay a dime and you hear stories like the way that he tells these stories it's like and then a man you know then the the coal mine caught on fire and like the crowd gasps like oh i can't believe it like i like that but i don't know if we need two out because then it kind of becomes like a one-man stage show in a way right where he could do it we've seen him do it essentially right like with with castaway that's also getting flashbacks to castaway here because like you know he's acting across from a volleyball and for much of this movie little joanna or cicada or whatever you want to call her doesn't really speak and so like she's emoting and reacting but he's largely kind of just one-sided acting again and like if anybody's gonna do a one-man show where 
they read the news for two hours. Like, it could probably be Hanks. I'm glad we didn't get that, but I don't know, maybe we get a little bit more, because, like, he's not... Is he writing the news, or is he just getting news from other people and he's just, like, bringing it around? Yeah, so he's just collecting newspapers and That's what I thought, okay. But he tells a short story at the end, or at some point, where pre-war, he did print newspapers he was sort of like a he had his own printing press he had his own newspaper that whole thing i believe that's what he was talking about and then after the war he 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 lost everything right i guess like everything got burned to the ground and so like when he picked up the pieces he was like well i I found something else to do with newspapers it's a little sort of jarring that you know the adventure they sort of thrust him into in relation to the type of person we get to know him as early on like you know he's a very kind and gentle man in a very dark and cruel world so i guess in that regard it's very fortunate that this little girl you know was found by him and everything like that but i didn't put together that whole sort of her doing kind of like a a mute role for most of the movie like almost silent acting across from hanks who like you said yeah is kind of doing not a one-man show but like in that vein is is certainly something that i felt as well and i think she's good too her name is helena helena Zangle, and she's a German actress. One of my favorite bits of trivia about this movie, there's not a ton about this on IMDb, but one of my favorite things that she didn't know who Tom Hanks was. She's like, I think maybe I've seen The Da Vinci Code, which... Oh, no. That's a, no, don't do that. Like, you know, maybe I, I, I thought that she'd be like, oh, I saw Toy Story. And like, I didn't realize it was him or something. But no, I just, I think I saw the Da Vinci Code, which is a weird introduction. She's also in a movie called System Crasher, which I have not seen yet, which I only heard about recently. It kind of got like year end buzz last year, but that's on Netflix now. So like, she's, I think, 10, maybe? 9 or 10? 10, 11, maybe? Like in that range. And she's really good. And I like that she's doing the mute thing and they're kind of like learning words from one another. And she's good. I like her in this movie. Paul Greengrass said this is the first time he's ever made a movie where a child is like at the center and he was terrified that casting that actor would be difficult and then found her and was just like oh that's the easiest thing I have to do all movie like that's just like (laughs) this is the girl and so I think she's great in this and I think she and Hanks together are good I just you know I don't have a ton more to say but I think that they have a good rapport good dynamic and like I would like to see more of them kind of doing the news but I like that that's the happy ending that it's not like 40 minutes of that right yeah yeah I love that concluding sequence too when they're together and the sun is sort of shining on her and she's like super smiling and happy and everything but yeah i give this girl is like she you got to keep an eye on her for the future because i thought she was pretty amazing given what she had to do and it's like this is an extremely difficult range of performance that she had to kind of manage her way through from from being this sort of like brainwashed by the natives and only speaking in that language to slowly coming out of it and like slipping back into her german and and eventually coming to trust Hanks and everything uh, like I thought it, I found it incredibly nuanced I especially liked how she pointed with her pinky in that strange way every time <laughs> that she pointed at something yeah. like, it just added like this kind of weirdness to her that made her stand alone and you know what else it kind of got maybe this is another thing too like there's been just a lot of this in you know storytelling where where there's like someone returning um, like a child back like I was getting Mando vibes like Mandalorian okay is even like sure. you know so I feel like even that part of the premise is kind of tired compared to sort of the freshness of the idea of Hanks going town to town reading the news kind of thing so I don't know maybe there's sort of like a like a lack of balance 
going on between these two kind of not not quite going together perfectly you know maybe if hanks was a was a retired gunslinger then it definitely you know would have uh would have been natural whereas now it just felt like a little kind of force like we're going to kind of force this guy to do this i think i struggle a little bit with getting a full complete sense of like who this guy is like we know that he's a retired captain from the civil war and we know that he's got this esteem and this respect from the people that he served with and he's this upstanding guy and this performer and whatever but like i don't think either i missed it or i didn't understand that his wife was dead like i thought that she was separated from him yeah yeah they play it that way you're you're supposed to think that she's kind of waiting for him he's sending his money back and she's waiting for him that feels like a weird decision doesn't it or no sort of yeah i mean i've seen i saw that in something recently where a guy was referring to his 13 year old daughter and someone was like well she should be way older than 13 by now and then at the end you find out oh she died when she was 13 and this and that and stuff yeah i don't think that it really added i think it would have added more to find out that he's a widower and you know missed his opportunity to have kids and and if we knew that earlier as opposed to thinking well maybe he's got a kid at home like even that was sort of running through the back of my mind like he's doing this because he knows like because he's a father himself uh so at the end i think the idea is when you find out that that his wife has passed away it's like okay like he yeah they never got to have kids this that's what was running through my mind that's why he like ultimately goes back is like okay i can like sort of have a family of some kind yeah, I like that. I like that reading, that interpretation of it. I think that that's a nice one love lost, one love found kind of like in a different kind of love, of course. It's not explicitly in there either. I sort of had to come to that on my own, right? Like Paul Greengrass isn't really pushing those themes to the forefront. The themes that he's much more concerned about is like, we're right after the Civil War. Like there is an extremely tense vibe in the air, like incredibly like racial overtones, like almost as if like trying to set this to a parallel of what what's going on in modern day to an extent like that that kind of like messaging yep. felt mm-hmm. like it was going on in here as opposed to like what i was just saying as opposed to like actual plot and story stuff he's he's sort of more into the the themes of this I was saying to you via text earlier that, like, there's another movie that hit VOD this week, Synchronic, which is made by Moorhead and Benson, who just got tapped to do the Moon Knight movie, but who have done a couple movies. They did Spring, and they did The Endless, two other movies that I really liked. I was not crazy about Synchronic, just the same way I was not crazy about this movie. But at first glance, they almost could not be more different, but they work together thematically in a way, and I was like, you know, I was saying that the past sucks, but you had kind of a more nuanced thing where you were like, yeah, you know, a missing girl trying to find a girl, and also racism right like and i guess it's not weird because obviously the underlying tension within the country and within storytelling and narrative in general whatever is that like we don't get along just generally speaking people don't get along with one another and racism is at the near or at the top of that list and so in movies whether you're substituting civil war post-civil war era for today or just bringing someone of today back to the civil war or to the you know jim crow like whatever right like it's all there it's all at the surface and like you don't have to go too far you don't have to stretch too far to find the comparisons there but it was weird to me that like the last two movies that i watched both could not be seemingly again like more different on the surface like one's a time travel horror movie kind of and like this is just like an old-timey western but their themes are both the same and 
the general takeaway of that I have for both is that, like, you know, the world is kind of terrible now, but the past is awful. Like, the past is worse. Like, there are so many things that, for as much that has gone wrong, there is much more that still, like, does well today, right? That, like, yeah. racism is still around, for sure, but, like, it's better. You know, that movie stars Anthony Mackie, who's a black man, right? And he, you know, there's always been this joke about time travel where it's just like, yo, man, like, if you're black, you just can't travel back in time. There's just nowhere for you to go because it's just completely dangerous, you know? Or at least in America, right? And so I think that movie is able to sort of explore a bunch of other stuff because it's sort of already, you know, it's saying, hey, like, this is our character. Like, now we can explore all of our themes surrounding that. Whereas with the Hanks character, you're right, it's sort of hard to get a bead on him. Like, the only thing that I could really gather, the thing that I saw that set him apart, is that in this post-Civil War era down in the South, he is actually acting like a civil human being. Like, he... Yeah has conceded like he even talks about where he runs into the to the um to the yankee soldiers you know he's like i you know forfeited or whatever he's like i went in and like i conceded and i gave up and you know i'm not in this war i'm not even carrying firearms or anything like that like he is trying his he's doing his part to sort of right. mend the world again and so that way everything that bounces off of him is sort of like well is this this is either good or bad like it's all from his perspective so like the bad stuff is what i think he thinks is bad in the world as opposed to being able to sort of judge for myself a little bit that's not a very clean sort of thought but i don't i, I just wish there was a bit more of him like learning that his wife was dead earlier to sort of explore in relation to why he is doing what he is doing yeah, and I think that there's a certain kind of character or a certain kind of person where, like, and this is a generalization, but largely true, I would say, but, like, the more educated and the more read and the more learned you are, you know, probably the less racist you're going to be, right? Like, and so establishing him as a newsman and as someone who is up to date with current events and such, like, I like that that continued development. I just think that, like you're saying, the other elements of his personality maybe flesh out a little bit. I think the movie does a pretty good job of defining who this guy is in pretty broad strokes, but I think some of the details and some of the niche and some of the, you know, nuances here and there kind of, like, don't necessarily align, and, like, there's not a ton going on in this movie. Like, your your summary was good, but it was, it was even, like, longer than I thought it was going to be, because it's just kind of like, he's trying to bring a girl to a place, right? Like, that's it's kind of a road movie, and there's not a ton happening, but it's still feels like we don't have the full details and it's, it's sort of a strange sparse type of thing like it's almost more about atmosphere than character but like it definitely feels like they want to focus on character yeah that's a I, I agree with that like the way that it's shot and all this it feels like it wants to be more of like a meditation on the west and while you're watching it it's like oh they're really trying to push this as like a story like this feels almost like something more 90s from where I'm standing, whereas, like, you get a lot of this sort of um, very, very plotty, very story kind of stuff, you know? It just didn't feel elevated the way that I expected it to. You know, you talk about elevated horror, where there's definitely, like, elevated westerns and stuff like that as well. And with Greengrass, I guess that's the direction I felt like they were trying to go with more. And at times, I think they reach it. But then you get moments that are completely out of character, where Hanks, like, tries to sort of, like take over a town at one point and you know what i'm talking about like there's that one town he he strolls into where there's a roadblock and they're like no one talks about the news in our town and the guy who runs it like wrote a newspaper and he's a real slime ball and it's like look at all the guys he lynched look at all the indians he killed like all this kind of stuff and hanks gets up there and he's like this ain't news to anybody in town right and he starts telling this other story and before you know it there's like a riot 
and the guy's shot by someone and you know i'm like okay why did he do that like i know why he did it but i don't know there's nothing to show me he was capable of pulling that off with getting away with his life you know and that just felt like a very they're caught up in telling stories and making a movie sort of they've they've sort of lost the elevation for a minute there the altitude that they needed I thought that was the most interesting thing about the movie because it was like action and conflict and like, you know, there's the three dudes who like creepily are like, hey, give us the girl for $100 and like we're going to like whore her out basically, right? Which is disgusting and terrible and there's the competition there and there's like the high low and he shoots and kills them or whatever. But that felt slower in a way like this felt like more of a modern, I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier, more of a modern allegory, modern metaphor or whatever, where it's like, it's essentially fake news, right? Because the guy is like, the guy who runs this town is like, hey, read this newspaper that like the lead story is like hey isn't this guy great and it's like no i'm not gonna do that like if you want to see what i do i'm not gonna read your rag and just be like this guy sure is great huh and then the way that he puts it to the people like do you want me to read this or do you want me to keep going with this like oh let's keep hearing the suspense and whatever and then you write the riot and like i think removed excised whatever from the movie i think that scene is by far the best in the movie but i guess what you're saying is true like i don't know we don't know that he had it in him like i think that he he is shown to be an upstanding man but he also has been shown to be kind of one who acquiesces and like tries to avoid conflict right yeah and so like this is by far a 180 of that it's like oh no i don't want to start anything but like fuck you like it's just like wait what hold on wait what's what's going it's like hold on what who is this new hanks yeah, because even when he's being chased by those three bandit guys or whatever, like, I'm like, oh, well, he was a captain in the war. Like, he's going to take these guys out somehow. Like, I know, like, he's resourceful in that way. Like, I could trust him to protect the girl in a gunfight kind of thing. But that other stuff, like, is kind of, I mean, you know, maybe if they told one story uh, early on where he's like, oh, man, Captain, I remember that time you, like, gathered up the troops and gave us that speech and we headed over the hill for one last hurrah before the you know the damn Yankees came and all this and that. but no like you're right he totally kind of tries not to do stuff he doesn't need to do you know for most of the movie he tries to sort of get someone else to take the girl you know even when those guys approach him in town like he's very sort of meek and backs away and stuff and it was an interesting turn, to say the least. Like, hey, it was super entertaining. Um, <laughs> you know, I just wish that we got there in a different way, perhaps. Yeah, like, I, but I don't know how you get there. Like, I don't know how yes. you get to the point yeah. without, like, a totally different movie leading up to it. And, like, I don't dislike the movie leading up to it. I'm just like, oh, this is kind of where I want to be. But, like, I also don't want him to be, like, like a shit stirrer, like, in, like, four towns in the movie. Like, that's not... At some point, you're like, how does he keep, like, not getting killed, right? Because, like, he gets taken up back and, like, has a pistol put to his head and only gets saved by, like, the kindness which is a weird word for people who murder people but like the kindness of two people who like shoot and kill his attackers it's like oh like he would be killed almost immediately if he did this in every town that is maybe the other movie where he's just the the guy reading the news without the girl is like we just see him like go from town to town and like some are good and some are bad like some he's welcome some he's not and then this you know they just either they get worse and worse along the road depending on which direction you go it's the, and like this feels like a scene out of that movie like the movie where we've already watched him sort of get out of several town scuffles or like tried this shit before and maybe you know got away with it a little bit smoother or something but yeah again it just it just kind of felt like a little out of nowhere <laughs> in an otherwise sort of very kind of calm and sort of tempered movie like it just really kicked into high gear yeah yeah 
which I think the movie needed because I think the movie like I don't think it was getting sleepy and I think that there is a, a concerted effort to go like kind of waves of like they're all kind of tranquil and peaceful and then there's some kind of conflict or danger or like when they're riding their horse and they're talking and like he notices something and like you sense that something is going to happen then it doesn't like there are moments like that and I think the movie does like a good job of kind of balancing the action with the for lack of a better word inaction I I mean I like that scene though so that that, that counts for something I guess <laughs> I, I think maybe the only thing that I would have liked and it's it's weird because it's a two-hour movie and I don't necessarily feel it dragging or anything it's just like it's just a two-hour movie but I'm surprised it didn't have more interaction with the Native Americans like there's one shot which is really interesting shot where they're on the opposite it's like storming and she's like screaming out to them yeah that's beautiful it's beautiful yeah like I've never seen that before and then later they sort of appear in the sandstorm and I was like wow that's a really they're like that's a really great way to kind of like cover your tracks is to is to travel with the storm like that but I wish we kind of had a, a deeper beat with with those people like you know where maybe it was almost like Hank saying you should go with them like they could you're more with them than you are with me still at this point like maybe that's what you want and instead she like makes the decision off screen almost like instantly like you see her sort of wander over to them and then she comes back with like a horse and some supplies and things but I I, I don't know that's kind of like the one thing I felt was sort of missing from this was like oh like in the end of this movie she's gonna run into like, because she thinks her entire tribe has been massacred, but she's going to run into some of them, and right. she's going to have to make the choice, like them or Hanks or something. And that's, like, the only thing that didn't happen that I was kind of expecting to happen. Yeah, because, like, what's weird, I mean, the movie does set it up, but I think it's, what's her name? Is it, I think Mayor Winningham is that woman who speaks Cherokee? That's her, right? Is oh. that the actress? Oh, okay, yeah. So she was in Turner and Hooch back with Hanks in 89. Oh, I think that's wow. the actress. Like, I've seen her in a bunch of things. I think that's her. Hanks brings cicada to this place or whatever and she's speaking Cherokee and she's like oh yeah she's got no family and he's like well I'm taking her to her new family and she's like she's not gonna understand that right like we get a sense that like this girl is essentially alone in the world but I think your ending would have been better like there's no real choice here it's like do I stay with the people who tie me up literally tie me up outside or do I leave with the kind like you know America's dad it's like ah, there's not a choice <laughs> like there's no like there's there's zero reason in the world why she would decide to stay there right right even if it's not her family, if it's her people, right? Like, other people that she has been with that, like, maybe weren't, like, the kindest to her or whatever. Like, we need to see, like, leading up to it. But I think what you're saying has a lot of interest. Like, and then, like, if she chooses Hanks over them, then it's like, oh, this is an impactful ending. But here, just like, yeah, of course. Like, why would she, why would she not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, if they showed acceptance, right? As if they say, like, you can come with us. Like, that's fine. Like, yeah, we're aware of who you are and stuff. But yeah, instead, yeah, she, she's just, like, tied up. and Because she's keeps trying to escape they say right like she keeps trying to run away so yeah hanks is like she's a kid like what do you expect (laughs) i didn't really think of that though like her two options it's like of course i want not only do i want a dad but i want this guy yeah do you want america's dad or the people who treat you like a dog it's like what yeah like there's no no choice that's of course right Mm -hmm. so no question I think the only other note that I have, and this is a very minor thing, but I was very happy like when to get a sort of a surprise Bill Camp toward the end of this movie where he just shows up and like he's like, you know, Hank's like, your wife's been dead. Like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> do something, man. But like, you know, I was looking through the cast list and I was like, I don't think I would know any of these people. Like, I know the name Mayor Winningham or whatever, but I didn't get low enough to see Bill Camp then. So when he showed up, I was like, oh, cool. I like that guy because, you know, he's been in a bunch of stuff. But yeah, like for the most part, I think what's interesting about this movie, and I don't know if it was for cost purposes, I don't know if it was for, I don't know why, but like, it seems like these are all people who either haven't really been in American stuff, which is probably true, maybe just a little girl, or like, just aren't names. And like, it kind of adds this like 
air of authenticity in a way. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, there's one guy in here early on, I think was the preacher in Deadwood, maybe. But like, other than that, I also did not recognize anybody. I, I always liked that. Like, look, it could be fun when you see a bunch of your favorite actors riding around together on screen and everything. But like, there's a time and a place. And this is really nice that it was just Hanks that I knew and everyone else can sort of just, you know, blend. And I think everyone did a really good job. Everyone felt very time appropriate and period in place and period and everything. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Anything else about this movie that you want to make note of or mention? Uh, I just want to reiterate that I thought Hanks was great in the Old West, and I could only imagine, you know, what kind of movie him and maybe Clint Eastwood could have made like 15 years ago, even 20 years ago or something. Yeah, like, I'm thinking probably, like, Saving Private Ryan era, right? Like, late 90s, yeah. maybe? Yeah, yeah, you know, when Eastwood had a huge hit with Unforgiven, and then he, he stopped, like, he should have kept making westerns. Uh, he kind of made, like, modern westerns in a weird way. Like, you could almost say The Mule in a weird sort of yeah. way. Oh, yeah, is like yeah, a yeah, western, yeah. you know? But, yeah, like, I'm just so glad that we got a western Hanks. I thought he fit great. I really enjoyed this flick. That's kind of two for two for me with The Last Hanks coming out between this and Greyhound. I think what also continues here in a, in a good way that we don't really see with two of the other guys that we cover in Nicolas Cage and Tom Cruise is that we once again have like old man Hanks. Like it looks mm, early yeah. on, like all the close-ups on like his like his beard, like his white beard and like his hair is thinning and just like he's an old dude. And like it's not Cage or Cruise like we need, I need to be the star of this movie where like in Cruise's case it's earned and in Cage's is maybe not always earned, right? You know what I mean? I like that Hanks is leaning to like, no, like I'm almost 60 or whatever, right? Or I am sick, you know, whatever, however old he is, right? Let's just like yeah i'm an old dude right so like why should i like i can't try to hide that or whatever so it's good could you imagine cage aging gracefully into his looks via his hair and stuff like we just talked about the the history of the curse words (laughs) and like his his new 35 year old hair that he's wearing from some guy you know like it's a riot but this is this was good yeah i like hanks just like being gritty and everything that worked well, like with Cage, we thought we were getting it with Snowden. We're like, ooh, this is a new kind of Cage. And then it's like, oh, no, he's just never, never going to do that again. <laughs> like five or six years later, we're still waiting on that, right? So I do want to point out that Tom Hanks was a surprise member in, or uh, it, this is maybe a spoiler for a popular movie from last year. So if you want to not know what Tom Hanks is a part of, skip forward 30 seconds. But he's uh, a quick cameo as himself in Borat, the new Borat. Yeah. What was it? Borat gives him coronavirus? Is that how it works? I think so, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the gag, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're not going to cover Borat 2 on this podcast, but I did want to make make note of a uh, another film with Mr. Tom Hanks in it, because, you know, that's kind of what we do here, so. Yeah, that was a shocker to see, and then it was clearly just, you know, shot, like, the week before the movie <laughs> came out, which was hilarious and also fun to remember that, like, oh yeah, they could just, like, keep shooting up until the release date. <laughs> Yeah. So we have a bunch more possible Hanks this year, maybe. We have BIOS, which I still don't know what that is. I have not clicked on IMDb, but it has been on IMDb since before we started Hanks of the Memories. Oh, boy. So it has been in the works or in some form of production for, I will say, years now. We also have, I think, due out this year is the Untitled Elvis Presley Project. And also, maybe this year, but probably more likely next year, uh, he's going to play Geppetto in Pinocchio. But we're starting the year, you know, early in January here with a Hanks memory. You know, I would like... 
it would be cool, I think, if every one of our actors that we have covered does at least one movie a year, right? Like, I think for the most part they do, but, you know, Hank's got his out of the way early, so even if we could get nothing else this year, news of the world, here we are. Yeah, and I think we know for a fact, uh, as we're recording this, that we're definitely getting a Cage movie in February. That's cool, could tick that off the list and everything. I'm not... I don't know. I think we're getting Matrix at the uh, some point this year, so that's good for Keanu. Uh, we got to catch up on some Charlize and stuff, but man, where's when Top Gun? I haven't seen Top Hide Gun and maybe MI7 this year, possibly right for the other Tom Tom Club. Like yeah. they both, you know, it's a weird state that we're in. Where a movie like this, like I'm sure that Hanks and Paul Greengrass, the same thing with Greyhound that we talked about on Greyhound. Like Hanks really wanted that to be on the big screen, but it feels like it's you know I don't want to denigrate any kind of art but it's like i don't mind watching this at home but it's like mission impossible 7 like it was weird to me watching wonder woman like i love being able to watch wonder woman 84 on my tv day of like i think that was amazing but it was weird to me that i'm like this feels weird that this is the first time i'm seeing it because like it's the first time in like a decade or more probably more than a decade that like i saw a superhero movie not for the first time in a theater right and so like mission impossible movies like these big spectacle movies that like other actors that we cover tend to do like i will love to see the matrix 4 on hbo max the day it comes out but it's also like i kind of want to see that in theaters you know what i mean so oh and on a final note i think is pinocchio a zemeckis joint are they gonna get back into mocap world with that i'm not looking forward to more digital hanks as a closing note tonight (laughs) i hope not like i don't want any more live action or whatever reboots or remakes of old Disney because Mm -hmm. I like Beauty and the Beast because I thought that was good because I like you know Emma Watson and Dan Stevens but like that Lion King I was like Simba looks the same as ever the lion like what are you doing like yes you know what I mean like I can't like Nala looks the same and she's like what do you I don't so like I don't need more of that yeah, I only saw the Jungle Book one, which I thought... Oh, I saw I saw the Beauty and the Beast one. But I hope they take a page out of Beauty and the Beast and they leave the humans human. You know, like, that's what worked best for that. It's not like they went over um, Belle with, like, CGI. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, so that's what I'm worried about is, like, most of Pinocchio's story is so whimsical and fantastic that I could see them doing, like, a CGI Geppetto. Like, have a CGI whale. When Pinocchio is a puppet, have a CGI puppet. When he becomes a real boy, have an actual actor. But, like, if you're going to cast Hanks as Geppetto, like, don't Polar Express him, please. Who should be Pinocchio? Timothy Chalamet? No, it's somebody we don't know. Like, it's some, it's somebody too young. Can you imagine, though, Timothy Chalamet as uh, a uh, Pinocchio? What if they uh, did a CGI Haley Joel Osment as a little boy? <laughs> so, like, a return... All right, yeah. <laughs> Just use all the footage from the ghost movie. <laughs> the ghost movie. <laughs> <laughs> For all things Hanks from the Memories, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next time, who knows when, for whatever. Every Tuesday, I have Too Fast, Too Forever with Joe, too, and Mike is on a couple episodes this year, upcoming. Your last Friday of every month, Monsters That Made Us, Dan Cologne and Mike Manzi talk about the Universal Monster movies. And on the third of the month every month, Third Time's a Charm, where Mike talks about the third in the movie franchise. Maybe ending soon, there's been talk about it for what seems like years now, but maybe it'll keep going. Who knows, who knows, who knows. But just go to cageclub.me slash shows and poke around. There's like 27 or 28 shows, not all in production right now, but as you wait for another Hank's vehicle, thank you for listening. Check out one of our other fine programs wherever you get podcasts. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Hank's for the Memories.
That news didn't travel. 